actually actually <laughs> how far into strange new worlds they are now it's uh, only the first I, season I, I, a few I episodes i think it's seven i want so badly to watch paramount's star wars content but star I trek keep yeah oh yeah star trek my wow. bad <laughs> there's star trek content but i keep hearing that it's not great or at least it's not good for fans of the original so hopefully strange new worlds i hear is uh pretty good for that capturing that you know that wanderlust of the original series and the sense of hope and discovery versus uh i think what discovery and yeah well no pun intended <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I smiled versus what then picard too i heard was kind of pretty uh i heard discovery the first couple seasons were really good but it's like there's a i feel like even amongst star trek fans the response, the reception is the, pretty mixed. The passionate yeah. outcry of the fan base. I mean, it's, it's similar to what's happening to Star Wars now, you know? Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> Who knew sci-fi could be so uh, divisive? Star Trek fans. But I heard that Anson Mount as Pike or Pikes? Yeah, yeah. Pike, Com- Co- Commander Pike, Captain Pike. Is potentially better than both Kirk and Picard, which is crazy. Wait, what do you mean? Like the character is better? Yeah, like his, his, because it's all about the captains or whatever they're called, you know? the Yeah, yeah. as the focal point for the show. Yeah, well, it's, it's, they're the ones who are the captain of the USS Enterprise. So people are saying that Pike and his charisma, Anson Mount, might be better than both Kirk and Picard. Wow. Yeah. It's a tough, I mean, it's a tough sell. It's like debating your favorite Bond. It's like every everyone brings something different, I think, to the role. I heard, too, that they're going to bring Kirk into the show, which is pretty wild. A young Kirk? Young Kirk, yeah. That'd be interesting. I still hope we get another uh, Chris Pine Kirk movie. That's supposed to happen as well. We'll see. Star Trek <laughs> Star Trek 4. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, but the trailer looks rad. And, oh, um, yeah, the trailer the, was The bad. NWO boys were hyping it up. Strange New Worlds. I, do, do the NWO guys watch the Paramount Star Trek stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, do they like it? They said Strange New World was baller. Yeah. I know. I'm, I believe Strange New Worlds get a... It looks really good. Like, it looks better than, like... It looks like what we wanted out of the Halo series that we didn't get. Yeah. Know? Yeah, pretty much. You know, this stuff makes me actually want to go back and check out uh, stuff like Deep Space Nine and mm. those series post-generation because mm-hmm. I've heard just that those are like, you know, very good. Just they're, they're kind of, they're passed over because of, right. you know, the time. Yeah. Anson Mount's great. And I, I probably will end up checking out Strange New Worlds. I really hope they do bring them back. There's Because the, the rumor for Marvel right now is they're going to do the Thunderbolts film and they better bring him back for that. You yeah. Know? Bring back. As the Thunderbolt himself. Yeah. Black bring, Bolt. Bring back Krasinski too for uh, Fantastic Four. Anyway, yeah, for our listeners that don't know anything about Star Trek, sorry. Star Trek's great. But lately, <laughs> yeah, it is great. Lately, it has a very rich history, even more so probably than Star Wars, but mainly on television and with, with like a film every now and then. Many, many films. But yeah, they call the new timeline, the the J.J. Abrams timeline, the Kelvin timeline. Mm-hmm. And they a lot of Star Trek fans just don't consider it canon at all. But there have been a bunch of new shows that are exploring kind of the OG canon and in different parts of it that stories that have never been told before on what is now another streaming service called Paramount Plus. I don't know if we've ever reviewed anything from Paramount Plus. Halo. Oh. <laughs> Paramount's kind of a stinker, but they have... Uh, Star Trek. Well, they have... Uh, I think they have... Halo. Avatar stuff. So... Lost Airbender? Um, 
or are, yeah, don't they have the Last Airbender series on pr- there? Probably. I think. I mean. I think is that the Nickelodeon one? I don't know. And they have something else too that I wanted to check out, and I can't remember what it was. But overall, it's like it's not one of the Halo. big <laughs> the big services. Not Halo. You love Halo. Anyway, stop. <laughs> so there. So Paramount Plus has been doing some Star Trek shows on their service, and the newest one with Anson Mount, who was most recently in the Doctor Strange film, is the new captain of the Enterprise with a kind of a new crew. Spock is in it as well, which is cool. Anyway, talking about space and other things, what are we doing today, Gabe? Today's cast is for Lightyear. (laughs) The new... Uh, movie from Pixar, the spin-off Toy Story film that is in universe, in the universe of Toy Story, the film that came out that inspired Andy to buy the Buzz Lightyear toy. So I guess it would be in that universe 1995, right? Yeah. It's a pretty uh, long-winded way to give so, us a Buzz Lightyear film. Spoilers from here on out. Basically, what happens is the movie starts with a couple lines that say, in 1990 whatever 1995 a boy named andy received a toy based on his favorite movie this is that movie and so the film that we watch lightyear is the movie that inspired the toy line the buzz lightyear toys that andy receives in the first toy story film that inspired the character buzz lightyear yeah anyway so this is We've only done a couple like actual Disney animated films. I think we've only done maybe two or three up to this point. But I think it's worth talking about. There's a a few really cool things, I think, about this movie that I felt like were just... Whenever the TCP ends as a podcast... The TCP? Yeah. When it dies? Whenever whenever we die. Whenever it's the heat death of the universe. Yeah. Whenever this podcast ends, it'll be fun (laughs) to have this be a part of it. So... Yeah. Well, like you said, it's it'd be it's an interesting thing to talk about. There's a lot of like interesting little things that this movie did, even conceptually, that just is interesting um, for the creativity. I think behind it, the movie itself, I liked it. <laughs> it's it's good. I would say it's it's kind of middle tier for Pixar. Yeah, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I went ahead and I made my my your tier list, my Pixar yeah essential or like tier list. Just Pixar, not including the other Disney animated yeah, films? Yeah, yeah, just Pixar, Disney. All the Pixar films. And Lightyear sits like... Middle of the pack. Kind of like right below the middle. Yeah, I think that's fair. The bar is so incredibly high with Pixar. For a lot of it, I think there's a lot of people who have had sort of a bitter taste in their mouth lately as of Pixar films go, especially with all the sequels. But yeah, Lightyear, I gave an 8. Out of 10. Out of 10. That's still pretty high. Yeah, but but there are more than half of the films that are above that because that's how that's how quality pixar has been yeah that's fair <laughs> um there's there's let me see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve uh twelve movies below where Lightyear sits though so how many films are on the list Don't all of them well, let's I mean, see how, well, up to this point there have been 26 pixar films and that's all of them which you've you've seen all of them is what you're saying yeah nice I, I think I've only seen maybe... I own most of them, and like on Blu-ray. Nice. Or DVD. 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 But yeah, my first two are Toy Story 1 is the top, and then Soul is right underneath that. Soul's second on your list? Yeah. Wow. Easy. 
I'm a, a lot big, of people I'm a like big, soul. I'm a big existential guy. What? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's interesting. I've been reading a lot of response to the Lightyear film and how people are like, you know, the last the last few years have been rough for Pixar. Yeah. And some people were like, they didn't like Soul very much, but I loved it too. I think people who don't like Soul are dumb. <laughs> are people that I generally probably would disagree with their lifestyle. They live in squalor. <laughs> no. Or they like, maybe they're just too critical. Yeah. And maybe they're people I don't really want to be around or spend qual- it, quality time with. I think it is discussing very... things that matter, yeah, yeah, like yeah. life and. Well, that's a good point. The richness of food and life and soul has some pretty beauty. Heavy. Yeah. Okay. Ex- existential stuff. <laughs> yeah. Why would I? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <a> superiority <laughs> complex. No. You, yeah. You're right. I mean. Yeah. I just. I. I'm just saying. Like, why would I? I don't know, share my soul, so to speak, with someone yeah. who, you know, doesn't care about those deeper things. And I think because soul exemplified that soul's main theme of the movie was, you know, bearing your soul. Like, why would I, I don't know. I, I just kind of think I probably would get along with that person. Not as greatly as I would get along with other people who did agree with that movie or like that movie, you know? And therefore, it could be sort of a fruitless effort to engage in deeper relationship with people who don't ask the bigger questions in life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I get why someone wouldn't jive with soul, you know, but I, I don't, I, I don't I, understand. I do think it is objectively one of their better films, both in the quality of the animation, which I will say, you know, first and foremost is Lightyear's finest feature is literally the the animation because that <laughs> that movie is gorgeous and Pixar's yeah. only ever gotten better I think with their animation. Yeah. And a lot of the criticisms levied at these films Lightyear, you know, being no exception is just story. pretty much the story. Yeah. This is a gorgeous movie. Even for like Desolate Wasteland Planet, it looks great. There's so many frames I just like I wanted to have framed and put on my wall. Yeah, it does look great. It's played off to be like almost like it was like a live action film, like real people. And then they made toys based on that. And so that's one interesting thing. Like I was talking about conceptually, one interesting thing is they recast the voice of Buzz Lightyear in this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's not Tim Allen like it has been in the Toy Story films. Tim Allen, so I guess canonically now, is the knockoff like toy version's voice of the real Buzz Lightyear who is the light year in this film that they cast as Chris Evans. One of the big Chris's of our time. Yeah. Uh, who played Captain America in the Captain America films. And he did a good job, I think, mimicking a lot of the cadence and tonality that Tim Allen had in the toy voice version. It's kind of interesting because like, there's a lot of the same lines. Yeah. A lot of callbacks. Yeah, lots of callbacks. Which would be a call forward, technically. <laughs> Which was kind of cool because it wasn't super like ham-fistedly smashed in there where it's like pretty flagrant um, it in, felt in, in your face. Yeah, it felt like, what was the thing that we were all just shitting on? Oh, oh, like Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion, where it wasn't like shoved in there in your face where it's like just done badly. It's done tastefully and it makes you go, Oh, I remember that from toy story one or that line from toy story two. And there were a lot of lines, even, even some of the plot points in this film you thought were going to happen based off of stuff you knew about Buzz Lightyear or his, his arc enemy Zerg. Yeah. 
and you expect it to play out, but didn't actually play out the way that you had thought. They kind of put a twist in there in a very in a very clever way. But maybe we should just quickly talk about the cast. Yeah. Chris Evans, like we just said, plays Buzz Lightyear. The titular character. And then he has a best friend named Alicia. And that was played by Uzo Aduba. And she basically, he times skips. Again, spoilers, but... And then she has a granddaughter who he ends up meeting in the future, and, she, and her name is... Izzy. Izzy. <laughs> I knew that. I was going to say it. And who's she played by, Steven? She's played by the one and only, you say it again, Kiki, Kiki Palmer, Palmer who we're about to see in Nope. Yep. And I don't know much of... I, I'm kind of new aboard the Kiki Palmer fan wagon, bandwagon. She's been around for a while, but she's just blown up now. I think I saw her first and only until now uh, in Aquila and the Bee, which was like ages ago from when I was a kid. Kiki Palmer is what I would like to call a cutie. She's a cutie, but she's also a lot of fun. Her voice really lended to the character's qualities in this film. Yeah, she is great as a voice. I mean, a lot of... uh, like top A-list actors will do a turn as voice acting, and sometimes it doesn't translate as well. But Kiki True. nailed it. Very expressive range. Yeah, and then she is the great... So she's the granddaughter of his best friend, who is now dead. And uh, he's kind of discovering his best friend, who he didn't get to spend much time with because of the, the time skip that we have, through his granddaughter... And then she's accompanied by a couple other people. Who's the older woman played by? Darby Steele. Probably. Dale Soles. Souls? Soles. It's French. Yeah. And then there's a third person who is voiced by Taika Waititi. Mo Moores. Like. um, And it's just Taika in animation. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that might have been to the detriment of the film, to be honest. It just came across like... Oh, here's Taika again, being himself again, because he's kind of a version of himself and everything. Iconic Taika. Even as Hitler, he's himself. It's, yeah. So, uh, and then there's also a little robot cat named Socks, and he's voiced by... Peter Son. Okay. And he was the best character. (laughs) Yeah, we we had a lot of laugh out loud moments with Socks. Yeah. Meow, 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 meow. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. (laughs) I bought you five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lots of funny, really funny moments. And uh, I guess it's kind of worth talking about like the creators of the film, too. We should talk about the director. Angus McLean. Okay. Who has worked on a bunch of features. He directed Finding Dory, co-directed. But I think this is his first solo directorial feature, I want to say. And the, the story was produced by some other Pixar bigwigs. Jason Headley, Pete Docter, Andrew Stanton. They worked on the story. Awesome. Anyway, I mean, everyone knows Pete Doctor's content. He, he's the usual. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who Who is the score? Was it Giacchino? Yeah. Yeah. It's Giacchino. Back again from the dead, Michael Giacchino. What's he's it? not actually dead. I'm just saying he died a little bit in my eyes and my mind in from <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, you can't win them all. When you, when you do as many scores as these guys do... Giacchino's like the new Hans Zimmer. I'm, I'm assuming he has an army of composers that work for him that he just takes know. the credit for, just like Hans Zimmer. I don't know. But we should talk about what happens in the film. This is one of the cool talking points, I think. 
so this takes place uh there are these these kind of like space cops called space rangers buzz lightyear is one of them space ranger obviously if you've seen the toy story films you know that much he has a best friend named alicia they get stranded on this planet because of buzz he kind of blames himself it's a colony ship, right? Yeah. And then, so a colony of people who are like in hibernation sleep gets stuck on this marooned on this planet. And he starts doing all these test flights using resources that the planet provides to cr- make a fuel that can escape the planet and, and make put them into hyperdrive, or it's like, you know, light speed, to escape uh, the planet that they're on and get all of the people on the ship off the planet. Anyway, every time he does a test flight, he like skips four years and comes back and he's the same age and everybody else is four years older. And he does it about 10 to 15 times. And uh, his best friend grows up, gets married, has kids. Their kids have kids. He doesn't really get to be a part of that, their life. Then his best friend Alicia dies and he does another test flight with fuel that actually works. And he comes back to the planet again. And it's like 20 years have skipped this time because he went faster and he comes back and there's like an alien ship above attacking the colony of people that have now basically settled on this planet and created a, you know, a whole life for themselves here. Laser shield. Yeah. And (laughs) anyway, so this is Kiki Palmer's character, Izzy, who's the granddaughter of his best friend, Alicia. She kind of is this spunky young person who's really like she's like kind of gunning to take down these aliens who just showed up like a week before buzz showed back up anyway so buzz kind of teams up with her and the people to take down zerg after a bunch of plot points and action sequences he finds out that they're not really equipped to help they're not like trained people they're they're not even cadets they're volunteers they're volunteers yeah they're like it's like a day camp space ranger yeah exactly anyway so they have this like really kind of oddball thing happening. He realizes he's being hunted by Zerg. Um, he's kind of like a Darth Vader kind of figure. Buzz ends up on the ship of Zerg and he realizes, which is, this is one of the things I was saying earlier in Toy Story 2, the toy Zerg tells the Buzz Lightyear toy, I am your father. So I was thinking the whole time he's going to take his mask off. It's going to be Buzz's father or something. Yeah. And there's even that line. He takes the mask off and Buzz Lightyear goes, dad. Cause it looks a lot like him. And he's like, <laughs> I'm not your dad. He's like, I'm, I'm you from the future. <gasps> and so basically, yeah, that's what happened. Zerg is Buzz Lightyear who traveled so far that he went into the future, found a bunch of like new alien kind of humanoid technology, stole it and then worked on it for a long time, spent his whole life working on it to learn how to time travel, to come back to the point that he is at now to meet this timelines buzz, the one that we've been following. And then essentially it's, it's, you know, those two kinds of forces. What his whole plan is he wants to go back to before he messed up the colonization ship crash where they got marooned on this planet and fix all of that. So he can continue his life the way that it should have gone, you know, which is actually a really good motivation for a villain. I think. Yeah, he was great. He wants to finish the mission, yeah. which is to get everyone to safety. So, But then Buzz, through getting acquainted with Izzy and the ragtag team of new Space Ranger people, he realizes, like, maybe this timeline's not so bad, and maybe I could have a life here because I didn't have a life with Alicia before. And so he fights to protect 
the timeline and then Zerg kind of fights to, you know, fix the mistake that he made. By stealing the crystal. Yeah. The fuel cell. A fuel cell that finally got Buzz into light speed. Anyway, so he stops Zerg and accepts the fact that, you know, this is his timeline and Buzz Lightyear is happy and everything works out. And then there's a new squadron of space rangers. Uh, he picks his his elite team out of all of the options of what do they call the, them? The, the Zap squad, the military or whatever that exists at that time. And he picks the ragtag crew that he's been hanging out with throughout the whole film to be the new space Rangers. And then they launch off into space and that's the end of the film. And they, there's three post credit scenes. Yeah. Most of which are just really short gimmicky scenes, except for the last one, which is Zerg still alive floating in space. Fans are theorizing that Buzz's dad wasn't, the actual Zerg, but that the real Zerg, the evil Emperor Zerg, still is out there. And that's where that location is actually where Buzz and his team are heading to at the end of this film. Mm -hmm. What's it called? Like Gamma Quadrant Sector or whatever? I don't know. That location is where Zerg is in the old lore. So if they do more of this story, they could actually meet the real Zerg. Whoa. Even though, yeah, in the post credit scene, we see that the Zerg shell that, that old Buzz uses is still functioning. So I don't know. There's a lot of potential yeah. future storytelling there. Yeah, true. There is. It's, But I think as a lot of these films, it's going to be contingent upon the success of this one. And so far, it's made a little bit less money than they are anticipating. Yeah. And it's not thriving in the reviews as well as previous Pixar entries. Not the least of which is the Toy Story films. Yeah, and the Toy Story films are probably the best reviewed Pixar films of all time. So I think they're kind of expecting this to be a knock out of the park, you know? Yeah. Did you ever watch the old Buzz Lightyear animated show? Uh, no, I didn't. I watched the Toy Story films. I, I think I may have watched it. I, I think I heard about it, but I think it came a little bit after my time. I have to say though, I was really into Toy Story one and two when they first came out. And then obviously three came out years later when everybody was grown up, but at the time that Toy Story came out, I was like eight. So I remember going to Burger King, collecting all the Burger King toys, the little puppets they had. I had original Woody. My, my brother had a Buzz Lightyear toy, the original ones. Uh, so we were, we were really into it back then. I still have a Buzz Lightyear figure, like an anniversary figure that comes in the box that's in Toy Story 1. Like, it's like has And it has all the gizmos and stuff that the original Buzz had. It's like the ultimate... Buzz Lightyear toy, but that's sweet. I still have it, uh, just sitting in a box somewhere, ready to ready to be displayed. <laughs> yeah, but what was your history with Toy Story? Yeah, I mean, the first two films obviously are some of the rare bits of childhood that I actually did have. Oh, I think I had them on VHS. Loved those movies, especially like I don't know how people usually rate them, but I liked the second one a lot, and most yeah. of it was because of the Zerg Buzz Lightyear stuff. Yeah, and I did actually watch some of the animated series, and I think this movie borrowed a lot of the plot points from that. Not so much the time travel stuff, but like Zerg and his relationship with Buzz Lightyear. A lot of the robots and that stuff felt very familiar to me. Yeah, I you know, I actually haven't seen the fourth film, and I don't think I've seen Toy Story 3 either. That's kind of crazy to say out loud. But Toy Story 3 is great. Most people say that it's great, like better than 2. 4, I loved but a lot of people didn't love it. Really? Yes. Yeah, so another hot take by me, I guess, but a lot of, <laughs> but four was still really good. People really liked it. 
I think the main point of criticism for Toy Story 4 was that people thought it was like unnecessary, like just like a totally random tangential film. To me, it felt like a really beautiful epilogue. And I think that's why I like it because I'm, I'm a big... Is that the one with Ken or is that the third one? Ken. The Barbie doll, Ken, as like the villain or something. Or there's like... That's the third one. Oh. Ken is in both, I think. Yeah. The the fourth one is the one with Keanu Reeves' character. And um, Who did he play? You know those little toys that are like the Daredevil characters on the motorcycle bike that like launch over like a gap, like a ramp? You know what I'm talking like about? Knievel, Knievel kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, like that kind of thing. I, yeah. He plays that toy. <laughs> Is he like a villain? No, he's a good guy. Oh. And then Christina Hendricks does a voice in it. She plays uh, this doll. She's the villain. Oh, wow. Yeah, I need to go back and check him out. I'd all, love to rewatch All th- these lost and abused toys. The classic. Yeah. It's the same thing in Toy Story 3. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to go back and watch all those movies. They're great. I, I watch them here and there with Gwen. She's a little bit young for them, but she'll probably get into them at some point. I used to watch Toy Story all the time growing up. Yeah, it was a, I watched it all the time. They hold up pretty well. They're great. I still love Toy Story 1. It has a big, a big place in my heart. So do you think Lightyear will hold up? Uh, no. So the, the criticisms towards I, the story... I think it's really good. Yeah, I, I mean... I'm not going to lie to you. I, I fell asleep <laughs> for... Well, you were just tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I was tired. But I fell asleep for one of the action sequences where, like, I woke up maybe, like, three, four minutes later and nothing happened. Like, I didn't miss anything, you know? It was just, like, they just got to point B faster <laughs> from point A, wherever they were when I fell asleep. But there, that's the thing is, like, I, I for this movie, I think there were... I could have just been tired, but there were a few more action sequences than I would have liked and a little less character development. Some of the character development felt like felt like it didn't really work for me. And that's one of the things that I was saying about Taika Waititi being in this. It just felt like I didn't connect to that character at all. I liked all the other characters more than Taika's character. And that's the one thing about Pixar films, I should say, like too, like there's... Usually, like, most successful Pixar films will make you fall in love with all of the characters, not just the, the protagonists, just not just the main characters, but all of the ancillary characters as well. And in this one, I just didn't like Taika very much, to be honest, that character. And that was hard because he was one of the main four protagonists that we had. So I liked the, the old woman fresh out of jail who could, like, make a bomb out of any three items. I liked Izzy. I liked... I liked Chris Evans a lot as Buzz. I just didn't like Taika. And I like Socks, too. So Yeah. Once again. And I like Zerg. They were all cool. Yeah. But there's just like a few swings and misses here. Yeah, the characters and the emotional beats weren't as strong. Uh, I did I did like, like some of the stuff they did with older Buzz. I thought that was pretty cool to see. I mean, it wasn't, you know, original, but it was fun to watch. And a lot of the humor worked really well. Mm-hmm. I think it was a fun movie. I feel like if if there was like 10 minutes edited out, it yeah. could have been stronger. Yeah, probably. To be honest. I think that's that's a good point. Like somewhere in the middle, like around where they stopped to eat a meat sandwich. Yeah, the meat sandwich, that scene was just like that That set piece was a little too long. Well, at that, that whole time in the film, I think it was like most of the second act, it was like 
okay, we have to get over here. And then they get over there and then something happens in action sequence. Then they have to get over here. And then there's another action sequence. And then there's like kind of a rest. They have to get over here. And there's another action sequence. It was like that for the whole second act. And it was like, what are you guys doing right here in the second act? I think that was the weakest part of the film. Yeah. I, that's where it really lost me. You know, I, it just felt very repetitive during that second act. And I think if it would have had a stronger second act, I think it would have been a much stronger film, but overall, like I was saying, it's still middle of the pack. As far as Pixar films go for me, I just didn't connect with it basically because of that second act. I think. Yeah. It was like, go, 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 stop, go, 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 stop. It was like red light, green light. It's like I was watching the squid game for Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> yeah. It was a yep. joke. It was a joke. Yep. It was a funny joke. Ultimately, I think uh, it's going to be kind of forgettable in the grand scheme of things. I, I loved watching it, but it's it's it yeah. didn't leave a lasting impression on me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's for a bunch of reasons, but. Yeah. I mean, I do have to say too, there have been a few other Pixar films that have come out while we've been doing this podcast. One of them was Soul. We loved that movie. You can go back and listen to that episode. But there's a few others that we, I mean, I, I never even talked about them with you. I, like, But Turning Red just mm. came out a few months ago. Um, I really did not like it. Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar. I mean, it's a lot of the straight to Disney Plus Pixar films because of COVID. Oh, that was another thing. So, so Turning Red was one of them. Luca was another one that was supposed to come out in theaters I heard that the the people who worked on Luca, like the whole crew that were is at Pixar, were really disappointed in Disney's decision to put it uh, on Disney Plus. Because at that point, the, the pandemic was already kind of uh, on on the decline. Yeah, and and theaters were already reopened, but they still chose. And then they did it again with Turning Red. Soul was the one before Luca, and then the one before Soul was the one that that came out right when the pandemic started, which mm-hmm. was Onward with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Oh yeah. Which was actually a, a pretty decent one. That was probably the best one. That and Soul were the best ones and then Luca Turning Red and Lightyear have been a little bit less, but I feel like Lightyear's Lightyear's still a little bit better than Luca and Turning Red, but Yeah, I've also read they were a li- little less than disappointed, perhaps uh pissed that Lightyear was the first of their films to have a theatrical release in the last 3 years because they <laughs> considered it one of the weaker entries yeah in that series of films so you know i hope i hope they're gonna be okay as a studio i think they will um there's some really good stuff on the horizon as far as what i from what i've seen there's also been some disney plus pixar shows that have come out that i also really liked um they did a sequel to up it's called doug days it's about so it's carl and his dog Doug that he got from the movie up the talk they finally bought a house and it's just them hanging out around their house that sounds great yeah and they're visited by um Russell yeah and he he gives talking boxes to like the local squirrel and the bird and the (laughs) some other animal and and anyway Doug talks to them and they have like a conversation in the backyard it's like it's really cute every time Gwen wants to watch it she calls it new up I want to watch new up (laughs) Because that's how I pitched it to her. Hey, there's a new up. But they also did a Monsters, Inc. show, which is a sequel to the original Monsters, Inc. And that was actually pretty good. I never actually finished season one. I got close to the end. And But there have been a few other little things like that. They did a short for Luca. Luca was actually really good, too. But just like a very different thing. It's such a different movie than 
like normal Pixar. It felt a lot more like Good Dinosaur. Mm. It's better than Good Dinosaur, but anyway. Yeah, I could talk about Pixar for a long time because I'm a huge fan of Disney and Pixar. I don't say that enough on this podcast because we do kind of knock Disney uh, mainly because of their streamlined kind of cookie cutter way of handling Marvel and Star Wars. But the animated Disney stuff, I have a lot of love for and a lot of good stuff to say about, which is why I thought it'd be good to do this podcast Yeah, on Lightyear. I would kill to see Pixar do some kind of adult animation in the vein of Love, Death, Robots to see a more mature level of theme and storytelling from them. That would be so sick. Because watching all this awesome sci-fi stuff in Lightyear was like... It'll probably never get there. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's a because pipe of, dream. Because of Disney, yeah. <laughs> it is a, it's more than a pipe dream. But it's so good. Like, the animation is gorgeous, man. Yeah, I agree. Even when they have, like, the monsters, there's some really cool stuff in this movie. Also, I should say, I'm also in the minority when it comes to Turning Red. I just want to say that because yeah. a lot of people liked Turning Red, and I just personally really had a hard time connecting with it. Because I have never been a teenage girl, so I have no idea what it's like. Would you like to be? To have my first period or do anything like that. Yeah. Would I like to be? No. <laughs> no. I, I've enjoyed being a boy, not having periods. Well, that's why we have film. You know, we can live <laughs> vicariously the lives of others. Happy light year, everyone. To infinity and beyond. Oh, yeah. Did he say that? I think he said that. Oh, yeah. It was one of the many lines. It was the main catchphrase of the film that he said with his oh, yeah. best friend. They would touch fingers. Yeah. That was funny. It should have been like a fist bump or something, but yeah. it was like, it reminded me of E.T. Like, yeah. ouch. But then they do the, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> ouch. Elliot. Elliot. <laughs> Elliot. Elliot. E.T. phone <laughs> home. Anyway, yeah, to infinity and beyond. Here is a track. From the less forgettable Michael Giacchino score. More interesting than Jurassic World Dominion, I say. In every way. <laughs> Giacchino. Giacchino. <laughs> <laughs>